find a place to stand. Is it okay if I stand here, or where is it better for me to stand? Okay. All right. As Marianne said, I'm uh, John Grandomenico. I'm a chiropractor over at the OSU Center of Integrated Medicine. We're located on 2000 Kenny Road. Um, and just quickly tell you a little bit about the center. I don't know if anybody's familiar with it or not. But um, we have several different types of providers over there. We have family medicine. Um, Dr. Ackerman, and you may have heard of him. He is uh, trained in um, holistic medicine. Um, we have acupuncturists. We have massage therapy. Uh, we have Ayurvedic medicine um, and uh, chiropractic. Um, we have two chiropractors, two acupuncturists, one Ayurvedic doctor, three massage therapists, um, art therapy, and um, several other things. Chinese that they, Chinese medicine. Uh, we have Ayurvedic medicine, and the two acupuncturists are do some Chinese medicine, I think. So, um, but I, get, I left some cards over there with the number of the center on. If anybody has information, or you can go online check it out uh, if you have any questions about it. Um, but my topic today is uh, I'm going to talk about postural posture and back pain. Um, and I, I'll go into a little bit about chiropractic. I don't know if you guys are familiar much with traditional chiropractic. Um, if you're not, if you guys have any questions, just feel free to ask questions whenever you want. Um, but I'll go through uh, some of these. And I'll talk a little bit about uh, my specialty is in rehabilitation. Chiropractic has now developed some different types of spe specialties. You can go into chiropractic, and then you can go into a postdoctorate specialty, um, such as orthopedics, neurology, sports medicine, rehabilitation. Um, mine is in rehabilitation, and uh, that allows us, it's kind of like physical therapy. So we kind of combine chiropractic manipulation along with physical therapy um, so that we do more than just uh, manipulation. Uh, we can do um, passive modalities such as muscle stim, ultrasound, things like that, which we have that over there. And we also get into doing some rehabilitation. Um, you know, and I've done anything from just typical postural rehabilitation to uh, post-surgical rehab of the cervical and lumbar spine. Um, so we kind of broadens our scope um, of practice. And then there's Dr. Hunter, who's also over there, is a specialist in sports medicine. Um, so we work pretty well together. But just kind of give you an overview about chiropractic if you're not familiar with it. Um, it's a healthcare profession. It's concerned with diagnosis, treating, and prevention of disorders of the musculoskeletal system that affect and the effects of these disorders have on the nervous system and general health. Uh, we emphasize posture, functional restoration, manual treatment, including spinal manipulation. Um, and chiropractic is usually a, one of the primary choices of uh, treating uh, musculoskeletal conditions, because that's pretty much what we deal with is the musculoskeletal system um, in a conservative manner. Um, we don't, as chiropractors, we're not allowed to prescribe any medication. Um, but we can order tests. We can order MRIs. We can order x-rays. Um, typically, uh, you don't need a referral to come and see us. Um, you can just schedule an appointment. Uh, it's covered by most insurances. Um, so we, uh, we're kind of like a, a portal entry. We're not pr necessarily primary care, but we work with the primary care physicians and other doctors. Um, but we deal mostly with the musculoskeletal system. Um, with the joints, the spine. We also deal with extremities. We can do manipulation on extremities um, and also do some postural correction and stuff um, with some of the extremities. And then rehabilitation is more of the treatment and education of the in injured individual to restore function to pre-injury status. Um, and we usually accomplish this by promoting tissue health, uh, flexibility, strength, 
uh, improving balance and coordination, posture, um, cardiovascular function, and uh, restoring the ability to carry out specific tasks that we need to do throughout the day. Um, so one of the ways that we kind of differ between physical therapists is that, you know, physical therapists, they cannot uh, uh, order exams and diagnose, so you have to get a referral from the family doctor to go to see the physical therapist. Um, but we can't uh, prescribe medications such as a physical med doctor or family doctor. Um, so, next slide. And prior to treatment, we go through and we'll do a thorough history, um, a standard orthopedic neurological exam, uh, chiropractic examination. Um, and this is necessary to rule out any serious medical condition. So if you're coming to us without a referral from a family doctor or someone else, we need to be able to realize that is this a condition that we're going to be able to treat or is it something we need to refer out to someone else? Um, you know, so some of the kind of the red flags that we're looking for is um, if there's a suspicion of cancer, um, an infection or a fracture, um, or anything along those lines or any more serious neurological problems, then that's something we probably want to refer out to someone else um, to, to get a, uh, another opinion or do further testing and evaluation before we may start treatment. And once we do that and everything, we don't find any red flags or anything that um, we need to be too concerned about, then we'll go ahead and we'll start with treatment and a treatment plan. And this is part of just evidence-based managed care. This is some of the things we want to rule out. Uh, we'll rule out the red flags, which I just talked about. Then we want to um, um, reassure the patient that there's nothing serious going on, that uh, nothing we need to be too concerned about, um, and give them some advice, um, usually on the first day, about what to do to improve their condition, provide some symptomatic relief, um, give them some relief of pain. Um, utilize outcome management tools so that way we can see as they're going through a treatment plan that, that they're progressing, um, that we're working towards a goal. Um, and we want to promote functional restoration so that we get you back functioning and doing the things that you need to do, uh, whatever that may be, um, pain-free or pretty close to pain-free if we can, um, and determine some endpoints of care. So there should be an endpoint of care here. So when we sit down, we go through some goals, find out what you want to accomplish, where we want to get um, usually it's some type of pain relief that we were trying to accomplish um, and then we determine kind of how long how we're going to get there and how long that should take and if we're not improving um, then we may want to think about maybe referring you out for something else or doing some further tests and see if there's something going on that we may may have missed or something um, so now I want to talk a little bit more about posture and that's what we came to talk about mostly is um, postural muscle imbalance describes a situation in which some muscles become inhibited and weak while others become tight uh, and overactive, um, losing their extensibility. And what this means is you, usually we can see patients that um, um, will just, just do from, our body adapts to the stresses it's placed upon us. So if we have a computer job, and we see a lot of this, starting to see this more and more, is that we sit at a desk and sit at a computer, we have a tendency to get in this anterior drawn posture. And when patients start to develop a lot of upper back, neck pain, carpal tunnel problems, um, tightness in the, in the neck and in the chest. We see some thoracic outlet problems, tension headaches um, from the anterior head carriage. And we see a lot of these, and we can usually predict what muscles have a tendency to become weak, what muscles have a tendency to become um, uh, very tight. And so then we can de devise a treatment plan around that to strengthen certain areas, stretch out certain muscles um, to correct our posture. Um, and also along with some manipulation if we need to. Um, so we kind of combine the manipulation along with 
um, the exercises, postural correction exercises that we do. And I'll go through some of those with you in here. Um, and this, the tendency for some muscles to develop weakness or tightness does not occur randomly. Rather, typical muscle imbalance patterns can be described. The development of these patterns can be predicted clinically and therefore preventative measures may be taken. And that's kind of what I just talked about, you know, from different postures that we see. Uh, and that's one of them that I talked about. And that's probably the example I'll use mostly throughout the talk is sitting at a computer because we do that quite often. Um, that we get in this anterior drawn posture and we develop certain muscle imbalance, which is pretty consistent through everybody that we see. Um, and this just kind of shows some of the postures that you see, the one on the left. Um, we sit with kind of the anterior head carriage, the rounded back, the anterior drawn shoulders, the slumped posture. Um, and then the second one there with same posture, you just leaning back into the chair, which is a little bit less stress. And then on the one on the right, um, shows good posture with less stress placed on the musculoskeletal system in the spine. Um, um, 100 pounds of pressure placed on the on the spine and on the lumbar disc or the or the disc. Um, so it's basically basically just to kind of get from I don't know how exactly those numbers are, but the more anterior drawn you are, the more stress is going to be placed on on your body on the musculoskeletal system. Um, and then down at the bottom in a standing position. And a lot of the stuff that we do throughout the day, you know, if we're standing, we're working at a workstation, probably slightly bent over something in this position doing something like that, which again will also develop some um, postural imbalances on the lower, uh, in the lower body, which I'll talk about here, later, here next. And then when you stand upright, it decreases the, the stress and the strain that's placed on the, on the musculoskeletal system of the back, and then lying in a lying position. Uh, and muscle imbalances, muscle imbalance does not remain limited to certain body parts, but gradually involves the whole musculoskeletal system. Um, muscle imbalance usually precedes the appearance of pain, and a thorough evaluation can help introduce preventative measures. So a lot of times what happens is we're doing this and we're not even aware of it, and then eventually we start to develop some of these symptoms, some of these problems, and then we'll go seek, seek help, uh, and then we'll do some stuff to correct it. So once we identify this and we get you into a postural stability program. Um, it's something that you can continue to do. A lot of it's just awareness initially. Um, so that you become more aware of your posture, that you correct it more often. And just by doing that, you can reduce a lot of these symptoms that we see. Uh, and again, determining a rehab prescription, um, go through the history, the postural assessment, functional assessment. Um, I'll kind of skip over this a little bit. And this is what we'll look at, looking at uh, posture. Looking at it from the back, we want to look at, sometimes we'll have a high right shoulder or low left shoulder, and we can determine, um, or a higher hip on one side. And from this, we can determine muscles that may become shortened, muscles that become tightened, um, so that we can kind of devise a, an exercise program or a rehab program around that. And this is what we look at most, a lot of times. We see this quite a bit, um, and you can kind of read through that. But we, what we see in the standing is we have the anterior translation of the neck. The head starts to poke forward, which increases stress in the upper back. Um, the shoulders start to roll forward in this position. Then we have hyperkyphosis in the back, and that's where we start to see a rounded back in the mid-back. Um, and sometimes that's associated with um, some osteoporosis. You see some of the older ladies that have uh, kind of more of a rounded back from osteoporosis. Um, but some of it can also be due to uh, posture. And then with the hyperlordosis, that's kind of what we call sway back. Our hips will start to 
tilt forward, exaggerated. Um, and then uh, femoral antiversion where our knees will come in. Um, then tibial torsion, that stuff, we won't worry too much. But it, but it extends from the, from the upper extremities, or from, from the hip all the way down. So we start to see this anterior head carriage. Our shoulders roll in. We have this increased thoracic spine. And then we have this anterior pelvic tilt. And then from that, our knees start to come in, and then our feet start to become flat. So we can see a whole host of problems, anything from the tension headaches, um, the carpal tunnel, the upper back and neck pain, uh, thoracic outlet syndrome, mid-back pain, low back pain because of the anterior pelvic tilt. Um, we develop some tightness, some hip on the outside of our thighs, on the iliotibial band, from our knees starting to roll in from this breakdown of function and the posture. And then our feet, we start to see some uh, develop some flat feet um, so we can start to have some plantar fascia problems. So a lot of, this, a lot of these problems can be prevented from proper, proper posture, proper stability. And a lot of this is just kind of the breakdown of our posture throughout our daily lives and the things that we do. Um, some of it's due to gravity, which kind of draws us forward, and a lot of it's due to our jobs that we do, um, you know, sitting at the computers, working over a workstation, and anterior drawn posture. I'm going to go back here. Well, and that may be an option. I mean, yeah, there's, yeah. And that's the thing, that's the things that we were challenged with is that, yeah, you have to sit at your job, but I'm going to go through some things here that you can do as sitting at the job that you can do for yourself to help to reduce some of these symptoms. Wallet syndrome, that's when we see patients, usually males, that carry a, wa a wallet in their back pocket all the time, and they're always sitting on their wallet. And they start to develop some sciatic pain, some pain in their low back, because it, as you sit, it raises your pelvis on one side. It also compresses on the area where the sciatic nerve goes through there, and it can develop some sciatic nerve pain um, or some low back pain. Um, but you're, people are going to do it throughout the day, but you probably don't want to sit in that position for hours at a time. You know, you probably don't want to stay in any position for hours at a time. Um, you can cross your legs, you know, change position. The best thing to do is probably constantly be changing positions. If you're staying in this position, you know, I have patients that do it, stay in this position working at a computer for four or five hours at a time, you're going to start to develop some upper back and neck pain. So we need to break those habits that get you out of that posture. doesn't mean that you can't do it, but you need to take some mini breaks, some micro breaks and stop, you know, every half hour or whatever and do a few stretches, do a few things, get up and walk around, and I'm going to go through some of those things that, that you can do. Um, but to go back on, on the other side, um, you know, backpacks and briefcases, you know, carrying, you know, a heavy backpack briefcase on one side or carrying around your, on one shoulder all the time. If you use a backpack, wear it on both shoulders. Um, you know, mothers, new mothers, I see this quite a bit, new mothers carrying the baby on their hip in this position. Um, they start to develop some low back pain and some upper back pain. A lot of it, that is just from holding and carrying the baby because you're always in this position carrying something, um, which causes a lot of the pain. Does that seem to answer the question? And what we do to treat this is we want to identify joints or areas that we want to adjust or, or to manip manipulate. Um, we want to relax and lengthen the tight muscles. Um, we want to strengthen and stabilize the muscles that become weak and inhibited. Um, 
and then we want to uh, work on strengthening some of the larger muscle groups, such as we have a tendency to, when we go to pick something up, is we have a tendency just to bend over and pick something up. And from doing this, and they've done, there's been studies that have been done that, that show that our quadricep, our leg muscles, and our glute muscles become weak and become inhibited just because of this, this activity that we do is bending over and increases, puts increased stress and strain on our low back. And so therefore, and it more, more, takes more energy to squat down to do it properly than it does just to bend over, so people typically don't do it. Um, so if we can teach patients, uh, especially with low back pain, or even if they don't have it to prevent low back pain, is to start squatting down using their legs to help to strengthen these muscle groups, um, that's going to help to alleviate some of the low back pain that they may have using proper posture. And what, what I see a lot of times patients, especially with, come in with the disc, uh, disc herniation patients or acute disc problems that come in, um, they learn proper proper very quickly without me even teaching them. Because you have to, when they come in with disc problems, one thing they can't do is they cannot bend forward typically. Um, so I'll, I'll, ask them to do a, but I'll ask them to do a squat for me. And the majority of the time they can do a squat for me. They can, they'll say, they'll say, there's no way I can squat. There's no way I can do this. And I say, well, just give it a shot. So they'll come in, and I'll say, put your hands in front of you and just squat. And they'll squat down perfectly like that. doesn't make their pain any worse because they maintain proper stability. And they have to maintain that proper stability. So if you get out of balance forward or backwards, it's going to put strain on that disc and create pain. So that, they, so that way they learn proper posture really quick when you have a low back injury, uh, especially a disc problem. And this kind of shows some of the muscle imbalances. And I don't know if you'll understand some of these terms here, but I'll kind of I'll go, over, go over these with you. Um, but again, this comes to the anterior head carriage. Typical mu muscles that typically become very tightened and shortened with this type of posture with the anterior head carriage are these muscles up here called your suboccipital muscles. Because what happens is, as our he head comes forward, if we're, if we're sitting, uh, as our head comes forward, we have increased tension in this area up here in our suboccipital muscles at the base of our skull. Um, upper traps and levator scapula, which are these muscles here, have a tendency to become tight because we're always doing this all day long, working at the computer, working something. We're always tense. We're always, our shoulders are always, always elevated. Our shoulders roll in, so these chest muscles, your pec muscles, um, pec major and pec minor, have a tendency to become tight because our shoulders roll in. So just from being in this position, we start to develop uh, tightness in these muscles. And they stay chronically tight until we do something to correct that. Um, muscles that become weak or inhibited are the deep neck flexors of the neck. And those muscles, what they do is they will retract your chin, bring your chin back into this position. So from being in this position, we get the tension and the tightness here, the weakness here, or the, the tightness in our shoulders, and the weakness in these muscles because these muscles aren't keeping our head back where it needs to be, so we're not using them, so they have a tendency to become chronically weakened. Um, Muscles such as the, the rhomboids in the middle uh, and lower trapezius are muscles that are between our shoulder blades, which were in this position become weak and stretched out because we don't use them, and those muscles are used to draw our shoulder blades down and back. So if we're not using them, they're going to become chronically weak inhibited, and we're going to start to adapt to this posture that we work in all, the day, all day long. So to correct that, we want to do some exercises. Um, so the postural changes that occur is we get the, what I talked about, the shoulders roll in, the elevation of the shoulders, the head pokes forward, um, and then the alter causes stress on the suboccipital area. And down here, kind of where our, shoulder, our neck and our shoulders come together, we see increased stress and increased strain in that area. 
And this is, I talked about some of the things that we see from, and we call this kind of the upper cross syndrome, is that if you draw an X through here, let me go back to the other one. If you draw an X through here, the muscles, the deep neck flexors in the front, which bring our head back this way, right in here, have a tendency to become weak, and the shoulder, between our shoulder blades become weak. So those muscles become weak there, and then our chest muscles, our pec muscles, and our upper back and our neck muscles have a tendency to become very tight. So we call this the proximal or upper cross syndrome. Um, so we want to work on stretching the tight muscles and strengthening the muscles that have a tendency to become weak. And we'll see the same thing will happen in the lower extremities, which I'll go over. And then from this, we develop these problems with the carpal tunnel syndrome, the tennis elbow problems, because as we roll in, these wrist flexors from working at the computer all the time have a tendency to become very tight, and the muscles that extend our wrist have a tendency to become very weak. So they'll get overused, strained, and we'll end up with some tennis elbow problems. Um, and even some shoulder impingement. Shoulder impingement is when you try to raise your arm up and lift it over your head, over your head when you get about 90 degrees or so, you have this pain in here and you can't quite get it up. You may have to turn your arm to get it up over your head. And usually what that's from is that our shoulder, shoulders roll in like this and creates um, some dysfunction or the prop, improper movement of the shoulder. Um, so then we start to have some problems with the shoulder, then the upper back and neck tension and tension headaches that I talked about. And again, this is just talks about the exercise prescription. Um, we want to stretch out the, the suboccipital muscles in the top, the scalenes, um, upper trapezius muscles. And then these exercises here, I'm going to go through those here. And I got pictures of these, and I'll, I'll show you these. You guys can even try these here in your chair if you like. This is called, uh, call this Brugger's, because that's the, the doctor who developed it. And basically what you're doing here is you're getting out of this anterior drawn posture, and you're just opening up and doing the reverse movement. And by doing that, you're stretching out all the muscles that become tight, you're starting to activate the muscles that become weak, and I usually tell my patients, I give just about all my patients get this exercise, because even if they're not having upper back and neck pain, if they're coming for low back pain, they usually get this exercise anyway, because it's just a good exercise for posture awareness. You know, I tell the patients, every 20 minutes or every half hour, just stop and do this exercise, if you're working at a computer. Um, this helps just kind of relax, take stress off, because muscles, tendons, ligaments, everything starts to adapt to the position that's in. So if you stay in this position for more than 20 minutes at a time, these muscles are going to adapt to that posture, and that's going to become your new posture. And we don't want to develop that. So we want to correct that posture as often as possible. Um, and you, don't, you know, I usually have them hold it for about 20 seconds, then relax, then do it again for 20 seconds, and then, um, and then go back to doing whatever they were doing. So that's something that you can do sitting at your desk. It's pretty simple um, that you can take a break to help to work on your posture and become more aware of it. Um, so you guys want to try this? Anybody want to volunteer? Come up here and be a... Anybody? All right, come on. Bring your chair up here, or just a chair. We'll take, set it up here where everybody can see you. Do it over here so we're not getting blinded. Go ahead and have a seat and face that way. Yep, there you go. And as you, let me pull your hair out of the way. But again, as, as you can see here, as she, your head, her head is forward. She's looking down. You can see there's a lot of stress up here. These muscles will become tight. These muscles, if she's working at a computer, she brings her arms up like this. These muscles are activated all the time. They'll become tight. These will become tight. This becomes weak. 
So then we have her. Let me have you go ahead and just sit at the edge. Just light out. Sit at the edge of your chair. Good. Put your arms to your side with your palms facing forward. Go ahead and sit up nice and tall. Good, like that. Bring your chin straight back. Good, hold that. Bring your shoulder blades. That. Open your fingers all the way. Spread them apart and extend them backwards. Just a little. Send your wrist back a little bit. Good. And let all this drop. Good. There you go. Good. And hold that for about 20 seconds. And I have all my patients do this. Um, and what I'll do sometimes if they're really bad and have problems with this is I'll sit there and watch them. And as they're doing this exercise, they're starting to go like this. And I'll say, relax your shoulders. And they don't even realize that they're doing it. You know, since you just get in the habit of doing it all the time. So, so yeah, go ahead and relax your shoulders. There you go. Good. And have them just hold that. Good. All right. Stay right there. You're going to be, you're, yeah, you're going to be my example from here on out. The next one I'd have them do is just a chin retraction. Um, and what we do here is, and they can do this while they're in that Bruger's position. Go ahead and go back in that position if you want. Um, and what I have you do is just retract your chin as far as you can, hold it, and then relax. Your chin, good. And then back, relax. And what you should feel here is you should feel these muscles tighten here when you extend it, when you come back. And when you're in this position, sometimes if you're very tight here, you can just keep your chin retracted and nod forward. You may feel a little bit of a stretch up in here in this area. Good. Hold that. Good. And relax. And I'll give this to the patient because some patients will have, need more work in certain areas than others. So this is just kind of an, an overall postural correction exercise. Then we can break it down and work on specific areas for, for specific problems. And the chin retraction is one if they have a real bad anterior head carriage or a lot of neck pain or even sometimes if they have some disc problems. Um, we will help start to work on that, that exercise to help to correct some of those, um, to help to correct that posture. Um, so that's that one. The next one is, is what, what, I, what I call the wall angel. And I usually have a patient stand against the wall, put their back against the wall. They can bring their feet out just a little bit, but they want their hips or their, their rear up against the wall, their shoulder blades against the wall, and their chin retracted against the wall. So let me have you go ahead and stand up here, and we'll demonstrate this. You can, yeah, face that way. Is that a wall? We can do it without a wall. Okay. But just have, let me have you face that way. Face okay. the screen here. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and put your hands up in the air just like that. What I usually tell patients is to turn your little finger towards the wall. Go ahead and turn it both. What that does, that helps to activate these muscles a little bit more. And then from here, all I tell, you, tell them to do is just go ahead and just slide your arms down the wall, squeeze your elbows down as far as you can. And what we're trying to do is to squeeze and activate these muscles here between the shoulder blade. So we want to get these muscles to become stronger because the stronger that gets, more it's going to bring her back into this position and get her out of this anterior drawn posture. And that helps to relax this muscle and helps to activate these muscles down here. Good. And then the chin should be drawn back at the same time. Yeah, yeah, and you want your chin against the wall. Against the wall, yeah, retracted. Um, and I'll have some patients that um, have a big, whoops, I'm sorry that have a big curve here, a thoracic curve in their back that when they get back here, they can't get their chin against the wall or their head against the wall um, because their posture has been uh, compromised. Um, and sometimes I'll have patients that can't put their arms up against the wall and have shoulder pain. So that's something we may want to look at. They may have developed shoulder pain from this internal rotation and have some impingement syndrome there. Um, good. Very good. Uh, one more I'll show you here. but. I don't think I can demonstrate this one, but this one's basically the same thing as a, as a Brugger's, but you're lying on your stomach. So, 
You want to try it? Sure. Good. And put your palms to your side, or your hands to your side, I'm sorry, down to your side. Good. And what I'll what I have, have you do here is go ahead and raise your hands off the tables, or off the floor as far as you can. Good. Squeeze your shoulder blades down and back. There you go. Good. And I have them hold this position for a few seconds, and then back down. Repeat again. Basically, it's the same thing. We start to activate these muscles in here, but now we have to work against gravity, and we get a little bit more of a stretch in the front. No, just keep your palms face down, just like that. Good. And she's pretty good. You're pretty flexible. You got pretty good posture here. Good. Yeah. Very good. All right. Good. If you want to hang out here. I may go through a couple more exercises with you. And this is the same thing. We'll talk about the, uh, um, the distal cross syndrome or lower cross syndrome. And what we start to see here is a similar type thing we see in the neck. What we see in the cross syndrome is that the abdominal muscles have a tendency to become weak. The glutes have a tendency to become weak. The hip flexor muscles become very tight and overactive. Low back muscles become weak or become very tight. So what happens is if this is weak and this is weak and these two muscles pull us back into this position, if that becomes weak and this becomes tight and this becomes tight, then that's going to pull us into this anterior drawn, anterior pelvic tilt. And from that, what we see is since these muscles become tight, we see patients that start a new walking program or go out and walk a lot and they come back and they develop low back pain. A lot of times it's because these muscles have become shortened. They don't have the flexibility and they walk and take a normal stride. Um, they, their, their hip extension is compromised because they can't extend their hip back like they should. So if they have to walk faster or start a walking program, what happens is when they step forward, this hip can't extend like it should because these muscles are so tight and these are weak as we start to see pelvic instability. So then we have this anterior, so every time they walk, they have this increased mobility in the lumbar, lumbopelvic area. So then we have to work on doing some uh, stabilization, some exercises to correct that in here. Would that cause hip pain? Yeah, it causes hip pain. A lot of this causes hip pain. We see, I see a lot of uh, glute pain, pain in the side of the hip, and pain down the side of the legs, which is typically all is muscular. A lot of people come in and think they have sciatica, and sometimes it is, but most often it's not. It's usually muscular, and it's due to this breakdown of posture um, because these certain muscles have a tendency to become weak and, and the uh, others become very tight. And we see that this glute medius, this muscle on the side here, when we walk, this muscle here, as this muscle contracts, um, as this leg swings through, this muscle has to contract to elevate our hip to let this leg swing through without hitting the ground. So, and we see that a lot, as these muscles here become very weak, um, and we see a lot of tightness down here, the iliotibial band. Um, and we, that's a common... Uh, injury in runners, but we also see in people who sit a lot, who become very, who become deconditioned. Um, so we see that quite often. Um, so what we see here is, is that we see a lot of low back problems. So as our pelvis rotates forward, that causes our hips to rotate inward, our knees to come in, and our feet to start to flatten, and then we start to develop some plantar fasciitis, some pain on the inside of our knees, pain on the lateral side of our thigh, and some low back pain um, from these postural breakdowns. So. And again, here's some of the things that we see from the breakdown. So it doesn't just affect the back, it affects the kinetic chain all the way down to the feet. 
And here's a couple exercises. And for low back pain patients, what I'll typically do with these patients is I'll have them lay on the floor and do this, but I tell them to practice this in all positions. Um, and I don't know if we can demonstrate this very well, but you guys can try this if you want. But I'll have patients, I'll have them take a deep breath in and push their stomach out. So as you, as you, as you breathe in, you push your stomach out, and then you exhale and draw your stomach in as far as you can. And then we want to activate muscle called the transverse abdominus muscle, which goes around this way. Um, it acts as a, like a belt or a support or a corset. And then and they've done studies in patients with chronic low back pain, that muscle becomes very weak and inhibited. So we want to work on activating that muscle as much as we can. Um, and we have four abdominal muscles. We have the internal and external obliques that run diagonally, then the transverse abdominus that runs around this way, and then the rectus abdominus which runs up and down. And we want to work on activating the, the uh, transverse abdominus muscle um, to act as the belt or support to help to stabilize our pelvis. And I'll tell patients to practice that lying down, standing, sitting in all positions um, because I want to get them, and it's kind of like Pilates. Anybody familiar with Pilates? It's kind of similar to, to, yeah, drawing it in and then contracting the transverse abdominus and keeping that tight because then as I take them through other exercises that I'm going to show here in a minute, I want them to maintain that abdominal brace um, as, they, as they go through these other exercises so that the way you develop the strength, the strength um, and the coordination so that you can use this throughout your everyday life. So when you go over to bend over to pick something up, you automatically brace. You keep that tight, which supports and stabilizes your low back. You know, and a lot of this is just kind of becoming more aware of it and becoming more repetitious. And this one here is uh, what I call cat and cow. They may call it cat and cow, uh, different exercises. But this exercise is a good exercise um, just to maintain mobility in your low back, just to get movement, stretch out the muscles, um, just to kind of keep everything moving. So what I have them do is this. I just have them relax, and I have them just go and arch their back up towards the ceiling. Keep their head down. Good. Hold it for a second. Now I have them go ahead and sink all the way down and look up towards the ceiling. Good. Perfect. And back up. And I just have them just go through this motion. This isn't really strengthening a lot, but it's a good exercise just to kind of keep mobility, keep motion in the spine, keep everything moving. Um, good. And it helps to get, as you get movement, it helps to pump fluid in and out of the disc space. Because what happens is when we sleep, or when, when we, yeah, when we sleep, when we lay down, there's no load on our spine, so our, our discs fill up with fluid. They start to expand. Then we wake up, we get up in the morning, our discs are actually kind of swollen. And that's where we see most disc herniations occur is the first thing in the morning. And it's usually something as simple as bending forward to tie your shoe, bending forward to put your pants on. Um, and if you have a sharp pain and you can't stand up straight. Um, typically, that's when they occur because we sleep all night and they start to swell up. And as we bend forward, the disc will bulge backwards posterior and cause some uh, and create a disc herniation or disc pain or low back pain. Um, so that's why I tell patients, you know, Get up, make sure you're up walking around for about a half hour or so in the morning before you start to do any exercise or do a lot of forward bending. Um, and the next one, this is a good exercise here for, um, to develop some, some coordination and, and um, stabilization of the low back and also with the upper, upper extremity. So what I have a patient do is draw your stomach in, do your abdominal brace, and when you do this abdominal brace, your stomach should tighten. You should also feel these muscles tighten back here a little bit too. And then I have the patient extend this leg straight back. Oh, yep, good. And this arm straight forward. Good. And what I'm looking for, one, is 
any instability. Are they shaking? Are they losing their balance? Um, because that means that they may have some instability here. If their hips rotate, um, they may have some weakness, some instability here that we may, may want to address. But that's pretty good. She's doing pretty good. And sometimes when patients are in this position, once they get pretty good at them, I may challenge them a little bit to make them work a little bit harder to maintain this position, maintain their balance. And she's pretty good. Good. All right. And then I have them switch and do the opposite. And sometimes if they have a problem on one side or the other, you may see that their pelvis may rotate more one way or more the other. Um, but she's pretty good on both sides. Good. Very good. All right. And that exercise strengthens the back muscle and the glute muscles, your butt muscles. And um, so that, that helps to work on a couple of the muscles that are uh, become weak and inhibited. Um, this one is a side support. Um, this works on the muscles on, along the side of the spine to stabilize you moving side to side. Go ahead and lay on your side here. Pop yourself. Good. Put your body in a straight line. Straighten your legs all the way out. Good. Okay. Put this hand on your hip. Good. Draw your stomach in, do your abdominal brace, and then just lift your bottom hip off the table. Good. I just have them hold that for a second. Back down. Good. Good. Very good. And what this does, this works on the muscles on the side of your spine. So this stabilizes this from, for lateral movement. So we have three exercises. We have the abdominal brace. We draw our stomach in, tighten it, which stabilizes everything all the way around. And then we have the one on your hands and knees where we do a right arm, left leg, which strengthens the muscles in the back. Um, and then we have this one, which stabilizes the muscles on the side on each side so that way we get stability develop strength all the way around instead of just in this forward the sagittal plane and the frontal plane moving side to side or forward backwards so that way we can stabilize in all all directions so i think we're about done and this is just a good exercise because a lot of us from sitting all the time we develop a lot of tightness in this hip flexor muscles and this is just a good way to stretch this muscle out here there's a couple different ways um, um, that you can do to stretch these muscles out. Um, and I give just about everybody something like this because these muscles are tight on everybody um, just from sitting all as much sitting as we do. And then that's just the one leg stand. Sometimes I'll do that with patients just to develop some balance or to maybe, well, I talked about the patients that have the weakness of the glute medius, this muscle here in the side of the hip. I'll have them stand on one leg, draw their stomach in, keep it tight to help to activate this muscle. It also works on postural or um, balance and stability, um, which is very good for older patients um, that may lose some of their balance. Um, it's, it's amazing how fast they will get their balance back just by doing a little bit of uh, balance work and stabilization work. It comes back pretty quick. So. Yeah, you can do, do this anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. So, and again, the key is uh, just awareness, is just being aware of your posture and constantly correcting it. You know, if nothing else, just do the Brugger's exercise, this exercise, um, as you're sitting. You know, if, if you don't take anything else from that, that's probably the best thing that you can take from it. And then if we need to, working on core stability, stretching tight muscles, strengthening weak and inhibited muscles, and then working on balance and stability. And I believe that's it.
Uh, yeah, sometimes if we need to do more advanced stuff, but these are some of the basic things that I just start off with on patients just to give them some basic stuff to do. Uh, and sometimes this is all we need to do. They'll start doing this, doing these exercises, and just making a few simple changes um, on the thing, in the way that they do things, um, you know, can make a huge difference. You know, and we start to, and the headaches start to decrease. We start to see less upper back and neck pain. Um, so just doing a lot of these simple things can make it make a big difference. Any other questions? Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. And a lot of the stuff that I use are kind of combination of Pilates and yoga type moves. Um, and it's, uh, certain exercises I don't recommend for certain patients, like with patients that have disc problems, I don't recommend too many forward bending exercises uh, rounding the back in this position uh, because that can create some more problems. A lot of times the patients have, if it's a disc problem, you know, they may are having pain down their leg, they think they want to keep stretching it. Sometimes that's making it worse. Um, so. Uh, it's important that, uh, you know, if you have an injury that you're doing the proper exercises um, to make sure that it gets better, you know, and that's something that we can usually tell pretty, pretty easily. So, I think, yes? Um, yeah, yes and no. It kind of depends on the patient. You know, for me, you know, I kind of describe it as, as I don't like to give exercises to patients say, here, do these exercises for a general population because everybody's condition is a little bit different um, typically. Um, so like for a disc patient, I wouldn't recommend the rounding forward bending. But if you have some tightness in your low back, it's just muscular tightness, then yeah, you could probably do something like that and be beneficial. Um, sometimes people have too much movement in their low back um, that we need to do some more stabilized exercises. Sometimes they don't have enough and maybe we need to do more stretching, more flexibility exercises. Um, but, it, but in general, if you're exercising, I, I'm a big proponent of exercises and as patients are going through treatment with me, I usually encourage them to continue to exercise if they can. We may make some changes, modifications to what they're doing. Um, but in general, you know, keep exercising if you can. But again, it may be something as simple as, like I talked to the patient, or I talked about the person that started a walking program, they have the tightness in the hip flexors, you know, and as they walk and they increase their stride, they have increased, they can't extend their hip back, so they rotate their pelvis forward to getting more low back pain. So it may be something just as simple as trying to stretch this muscle out and strengthen knees. So starting an exercise program is, is great, I'm all for it. Um, but sometimes people start to develop some pain because they start moving in different ways and they may have some imbalances that they may need to address or work on before um, 
you know, if they start having some pain or discomfort. And if it's not improving, you're, yeah, you're going to get some, extra, some soreness with some exercise, just basic exercise soreness. But that should go away as you continue to do it and do more. And if it's not going away, then you may want to get a look at it. Typically not. Um, and it's covered by most insurances. Um, usually you don't need a referral. If you, you might want to check with your insurance company. Um, I know with OSU Prime Care, and I'm sure most all you guys have that, is that you don't need a referral. You can come in and you'll just have your copay to pay. Um, and you get five visits um, initially. Then after that, what I have to do is send in an authorization um, to get more visits, which is usually not a problem. Uh, basically, they want to see is the patient improving, are they getting better? Um, and if they are, they'll allow you to continue with the treatment. So. Anything else? Yeah, it's, it's possible. And the thing is with, with disc problems is, is that we usually see them in patients who do a lot of, not always, but most of the time a lot of repetitive forward bending. Um, because what happens is, and I, I wish I had brought a picture of, of the spine to kind of show this a little bit better. But if you guys don't know, the disc, you have your vertebra, the, the bones, and in between each bone vertebrae, you have a disc, which is, a, is a, like a big ligament, and it has a fluid in the middle, a gel called the nucleus. Um, so it's kind of like a jelly donut. So what happens is, is that whenever I, I'm standing here and I extend backwards, the back part of the disc squeezes down and it squeezes everything, all the fluid to the front part of the disc. When I bend forward, it squeezes everything to the back part of the disc. The back part is the weakest part. Um, and the thing we do the most of is forward bending. We very rarely do any extension or things like that. And that's the thing that I recommend typically for disc patients, at least initially, to see if they improve is doing some extension type exercises and then getting into some lumbopelvic stabilization exercises. But what happens is as you bend forward, if it causes that disc to bulge more, it'll cause it to bulge and that's where the nerves come out of your spine and go down your leg, the sciatic nerves comes out, is, that, is right behind that disc. So as you bend forward, sometimes you'll get a bulge, it'll cause pain and shoot pain down the leg. And that's one of the tests that we do when I'm looking for a patient. I'll have a patient just sit out at the edge of the table, kind of slouch forward, have them extend one of their legs out, and if they have shoots pain down their leg, then that may suggest that they may have a disc problem. Um, so, yeah, and, and if you sit all day in this anterior, this drawn posture like this, you know, it's the same thing as bending over like this. You know, so sitting is probably one of the worst things you can do for your back. I mean, because you sit and you compress the discs all day. So if you can get up and move as often as you can, I know that's difficult sometimes because you have most bizarre jobs or desk jobs. Um, but the more you can get up and move and walk around, um, you know, the better off you'll be. Anything else? Yeah, that's a muscle that um, typically starts to become very tight. It, it, multifus muscle is a muscle right here in our, our low back, and what it does, it helps to extend, extend us up this way. And when we sit, we sit in this rounded position, this slouched position, 
it becomes tight and becomes weak. And if we don't do enough extension exercises to strengthen it, it has a tendency to become weak and it does play a role in postural stability. Um, because I talked about the hip flexors become weak, the low back muscles, these muscles, multifus becomes weak uh, or tight. Um, and then this becomes weak and puts us in this position. So we want to work on correcting that. So yeah, it is, it's a muscle that we, we take into consideration and we, we work on along with the glute muscles. Yeah, I think they should be up there. Yeah. In which website? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And like I said, if I left some cards over there. If you guys have any questions or anything, you can give me a call or email me or whatever. Um, so I hope you got something out of it and hope you enjoyed it. And that's it.